this awesome young man with these two beautiful young ladies here is Zach. So he's going to be sharing tomorrow. Zach's got a tremendous testimony. Um, the enemy wanted to take him out. He parked on the side of the road one day about, what, three or four years ago and couldn't function anymore. I guess longer than that, maybe five years ago. Couldn't function and fought a battle for a couple of years. We, we moved to Minnesota during that process. I think he was about, what, nine months into that at that point. And during that time, met this beautiful young lady that's with him. And they couldn't date. Their, their, date, their date life consisted of her going to get Chipotle for him and bring him to the house. She's an awesome young lady. And uh, they fell in love in that, got married, have a beautiful... In fact, I got to perform the vows. It's pretty cool. It's about a year and a half, two years? Two years. Time flies. Good grief. Wow. And I have this beautiful young daughter, Sasha. She's gorgeous. But Zach's going to share the word of the Lord with us tomorrow. Looking forward to that. And then we're going to have an opportunity where we can hear from all of our guests, whether you're a missionary, a pastor. Uh, we're going to give you about 10 minutes or so to just share about your ministry, about what God's doing. I, I, I was joking with Nathan, you, you can prophesy, lay hands on people. You got a 10-minute window to, to do your thing. But no, we want to hear about your ministry, what God's doing. And, uh, and hey, if the Lord gives you a word for us, we want to hear that. But we're going to hear from all of our guests tomorrow. And so, looking forward to that. Uh, when we're done, we should wrap up around noon. And um, all of our out-of-town guests, who are you know our, our missionary pastor guests from out of town, uh, you're going to get to go to the Greenville Station, which is my home. It's yeah. about a 25-minute drive from here, but uh, we're going to entertain you at our home tomorrow afternoon. Looking forward to that. It's uh, we, we got tortilla soup, yeah. we've got chili. It's a soup day. Potato soup. My wife made chicken chili. Sean Alexander made his second-place chili. <laughs> Where's Sean? Did he hear me? I want to make sure you heard that. Sean, are you here? I'll have to use that again in just a minute since he didn't hear it. <laughs> no, actually, he does make a killer chili. And uh, so we've got chili. we got Rebecca Manike's vegetable soup. we got... My wife's Eau Claire dessert. We've got, I don't know, pie, cookies, cakes, I don't know, all that kind of stuff. It's my mom's potato soup, which is mm-mm good. So uh, we're going to have a good time. So spend a little time over at the Greenville Station. Uh, looking forward to that. Tomorrow night we'll be back here. Uh, all of our ministry guests, please make plans to be back here at 530. Uh, we're inviting our church folks to come back as well. And this is a great time for you guys to connect, get to know our people, them to get to know you. And that's important. You guys are a blessing to us. We hope we bless you guys, but you guys are a great blessing to us. And you're, I know, I hope you leave with impartation and encouragement and blessing and all of it this week, but you guys are going to encourage and bless and impart into us, and we're grateful for that. So tomorrow at 530, there, there's going to be some light refreshments right below in the fellowship hall. By the way, tomorrow morning we'll be down in the fellowship hall. Uh, but light refreshments tomorrow night at 530, and then at 630. Pastor Kurt Juzak. He's going to be with us. His lovely wife, Julie, is here. That's uh, Zach's father, if you make that connection. But uh, we served with the Juju Zacks for two years. Pastor Hal says you work for some people and you work with some people. And Pastor Kurt's one of those guys you work with. He doesn't make you feel like, you know, you're a French fry flipper. <laughs> 
a great, great guy. So we, we, we were blessed for two years to serve, almost, almost two years to serve in Burnsville, Minnesota at Stonebridge Church. Pastor Kurt's going to be sharing the Word of God tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. Uh, we'll be back Thursday night. Won't get too much into what's going to happen Friday. Or Friday night, we'll be back. Won't get too much into Friday night, but I do want to tell you that Friday evening, Pastor Nathan Thompson is going to be with us sharing the Word of the Lord, and I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be great. Be here as much as you can, and do me a favor. Pray tonight and ask the Lord to show you somebody who needs to be here and invite him to come. Invite him to come. Amen. We're going to have a fall festival Saturday at 5 o'clock. Looking forward to that. Great outreach to this community. Uh, we've been spending a couple weekends out canvassing the neighborhoods and looking forward to the harvest. And then um, also Sunday evening, I want to let you know that Nathan Thompson is going to be speaking again. So Friday night, he's going to speak in English, and we're going to have in-service Spanish interpretation on Friday night. So he's going to preach in English, and we're going to have an interpreter uh, preaching in Spanish. So Philip's going to preach his message, and my interpreter is going to preach the message I told him to preach. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. No, so he's going to preach on, on Friday night in English, and then on Sunday night, he's going to speak to us in Spanish. So we're looking forward to that. Our first ever, as far as I know anyway, Spanish service at Return Church. Amen. We've got a great group building. We have in-ear, every Sunday morning, in-ear uh, Spanish interpretation because we do have a good gathering of Hispanic folks here. There is a great community right down Eastern Boulevard, and we're going to do everything we can to reach them and get a Spanish service going in 2023. So we're kind of seeding that and casting vision for that. So awesome. All right, so that's what's going on. One thing I want to let you know, I want to have our ushers come. We've got pledge forms. So we're, we're going to raise some money this week. We're going to do that for missions. We're going to do that for our Spanish ministry here at Return Church, and we're going to do that for our kids' ministry. Those are the three things this week we're raising money for. Go ahead and pass them out. Give everybody one. And don't get offended. If you don't want to use it, you don't have to. But get one and pray about it. So we're raising money this week. Uh, you, you can give directly. We're going to have an offering here in just a minute. They'll give you an opportunity to give. Last year, we raised about $25,000. Uh, during this conference. It was awesome. And uh, so we're going to raise some money this week. And um, if you can't give it all right now, you can pledge. So you can do a one-time pledge or you can do a monthly pledge. Let me, Return Church, let me encourage you guys to pray about pledging a monthly pledge. When I, I said just a second ago we're going to raise, part of what we're raising this week is four missions. We, we haven't, well, we have. I shouldn't say we haven't. We aren't currently supporting missionaries on an ongoing basis. And what we as a church want to begin to do is to do that. We want to support missionaries on a monthly basis. And so if you would make a pledge, you could give five bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. But if you'd make that commitment to do that on a monthly basis, that'll help us to be able to faithfully support these missionaries, okay? I want to in introduce these guys to you. So I want all of our, let's do, um, let's do all of our missionaries on the right, my right, and all the pastors on the left. So if you're a domestic American pastor, come to my left, and all of our missionaries to the right. So sheep on the right, goats on the left. <laughs> so from your perspective, though, it's flip-flopped. 
Praise God. My lovely wife, Rachel, is going to help. We're going to go through here. These are some of the finest human beings on the planet. Wow. The Witt family. That's half of the missionary group. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Let's give these guys an awesome round of applause. Amen. We're glad you guys are here. These are some incredible human beings. Amen. We love you. We honor you. You guys are really, truly heroes. LeBron James is not a hero. There's no athlete or movie stars that's worthy of that. These guys are incredible. Amen. They've given their lives for the gospel. They left their, their comfort zone. They left financial security. You name it. So you guys are my heroes. Amen. So we'll start right here with the, the chief. My name is Nathan Thompson. I work in San Luis Potosí, Mexico. It's a dead center in the country of Mexico, city of about 2 million people, 7,000 feet above sea level. And what we do, we're church planting and we are training Mexican missionaries to go to the 1040 window. We have missionaries in Iraq, in Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, India, and some tribes in Latin America. And so we're challenging the Mexican church to become involved in missions and supporting missions also. Amen. So I've been, I have to say this, I, I've been underselling Pastor Nathan. I, I was saying they've sent out like maybe six families from their church to the nations. I, I learned tonight it's 16. 19. 19. 19. 19. 19. Okay. Yeah. 19 families that they have sent out as missionaries from Mexico. It's incredible. So he went as a missionary. Now he is sending missionaries. That's what it's supposed to look like. We preached about fruitfulness on Sunday. That's a picture of it right there. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Amen. Hi, we're Ben and Sarah Addicts, and we are being sent as missionaries to Japan, uh, where our ministry will be primarily comprised of church planting, particularly in rural hubs in northern Japan where churches are far and few in between, such that some people will have to drive uh, regularly an hour or two hours to reach the nearest church. And even then, you don't know if it's going to be a Mormon church or Jehovah's Witness church. So we're looking to provide that uh, access to the gospel in Japan so that those people can come to know uh, the Lord Christ as Savior and Lord. We are Don and Amy Crabtree, living and working on the border of Piedras Negras in Mexico and Eagle Pass, Texas. We are raising up Promise Family Services on both sides of the border, which is a pregnancy and trauma healing center for women, men, and their families. And we are believing God to restore lives, to heal people, and to bring the family back to be the powerhouse that God has called it to be for our, for our nations. Big shout out to Pastor Chad and the crew that came down to work and help. Uh, things are coming along good. Keep us in your prayers. Hello. We are Frank and Christy Sayre. This is uh, our beautiful children. Uh, his name is Noah Sayre and her name is Astra Sayre. And we're serving in China and Taiwan. Um, we do uh, church planting. Um, church over, overseers uh, missions training, and we train uh, the unbelievers 
and teach them about the Bible and equip them and send them out to do the mission's work. So during the persecution time and COVID, the two years, we planted two more, two more house churches, underground churches. Um, so um, everything going very strong in China, even persecution is going on. So we are back to the book of Acts. And uh, praise God for that. So please pray for us. Thank you. We are the Witt family. Uh, this is Rachel Yeager. My name is Jerry, my daughter Hope, Rebecca, and Kayla. Don't ask me their ages. I just know they belong to me. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> we work in the capital city of, the, of Durango, in the state of Durango. Uh, in the state of Durango, Mexico, yes. Uh, in one of the 10 most uh, dangerous areas of Mexico with that uh, highest rates in drugs and um, theft and that kind of thing. And we started a church there about uh, nine years ago. And we also work in the mountains in Mexico with the indigenous tribes, uh, taking the gospel to them and preparing them and equipping them so they can go out and uh, fulfill their calling in the body of Christ. i just say real quick, and so both Jerry and Rachel, their grandparents taught, taught me in uh, Bible college. So Rachel's grandfather, Delmer Hyman, is he still working in the, uh, the men's ministry there? That, so they have a, it's like a thrift store. They, they help to rehabilitate guys, give them work. And her grandfather is working with those guys every single day, does devotionals with those guys, mentors those men. Beautiful, beautiful. He was just a, an amazing pastor, Delmer Hyman. You couldn't say it anyway. One of the best, one of the finest. He's a great man. He taught my, that's why I'm such a good pastor, I say. Because he, he taught my pastoral ministry class. And then Jerry's grandmother, Nola Warren, taught uh, my missions class at International Bible College. So just incredible heritage that they have, and they're doing incredible work. So, God bless you. Uh, my name is Sergio, my wife, Claudia. And for many years, we have worked in, in Mexico evangelizing and just uh, in the area of Torreon also. Um, we just connect with pastors, and uh, we do... Um, uh, open air meetings sometimes you know, we'll go to a basketball court and just set up a sound and start preaching the gospel as well as going to, um, doing it in the in the outside of a house we'll set up a small system sound system and just preach and um, I'm just um, excited to be here God bless you guys I'm Kurt and Julie Juzak, and pastoring Stonebridge Church in Burnsville, Minnesota, where the Hayes were with us for a couple of years, as Pastor Chad has said. Uh, Long-standing history in our church of supporting foreign missions. We currently intentionally pray and give financial support to 14 foreign missionaries, and uh, we're just honored to carry on that heritage and uh, have a part in uh, the Great Commission and bringing the gospel to the uh, uttermost parts of the world. So my name is Philip Thompson. I pastor a church in Wapaka, Wisconsin, a town of about 5,000, right in the heart of Wisconsin. And we're coming here to just uh, stand with Chad and his beautiful family and church and just blessing the missionaries. Good to be here. Uh, I'm Zach Juzak. I pastor at 
Stonebridge Church alongside my dad. Um, me and my wife work specifically with young adults, calling a generation of young people to holiness um, and biblical literacy and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm really just overjoyed to be in the presence of, of some heroes of the faith and really looking forward to being around all of you and uh, just being filled by, by what is going to be going on this week. My name is Stephen Bell. I pastor a church about an hour north of here in Greensburg, small country church. But Kenny had mentioned the conference to me and invited me down. I'm down here to refresh and glean and grow, and I'm glad to be here. Pastor Steve Pretty, I pastor in Louisville, Kentucky, and I am just uh, very appreciative uh, and thankful to be here tonight and to hear what God is doing and to be a part of this last day move of God. Amen. And we're going to pray over these guys. Rachel, can you come up? You guys just extend your hands towards them. Amen. We're going to pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for these men and women of God. Missionaries, pastors, working in various fields and various climates. Father, we are honored to have them here. Father, we just pray for their time here to be blessed. I just pray that you would enrich them. Equip all of us together, Lord God. We thank you for exchange. We thank you for cross-pollination, the opportunity to learn from those that are here. We bless them in Jesus' name. Honor you, and we thank you for your faithfulness to them. And I ask, oh God, by your spirit, that you would increase their territory. I pray, Father, that you would prepare ways where there has been the inability to go into certain areas, where they've been hindered. I ask by your spirit that you would bring the breakthrough, like you did it for David. When David was in the, the cave and he cried out to you and you give him strategy against the enemy, and you told David to go by the mulberry bush. And when the mulberry bush moved, the commander-in-chief joined their fight. And breakthrough came. And I ask God for the breakthrough that they need in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And we declare that the strategy of the enemy is brought to nothing. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. And ruler over all things. Father, I pray that their faith would stand strong. That the prophetic would rise out of their mouth. That they would speak those things as though they were. Father, by your spirit, I ask for an open heaven over their families. I pray for their health, Father. I even pray for their teeth, God. That you strengthen them. Every facet of their being would be blessed. In the name of Jesus, Father, we honor you and we thank you, Lord. Every need is met, that they lack not one good thing, because we know who we call upon. 
And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, Claudia. Bless you. Amen. Amen. Glad to have all of our out of town guests, especially our South Louisville. Pastor Steve, thank you. Man, it's good. Isn't it good when local pastors support each other? It's a great guy. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate everybody who's with us. Amen. So we're going to take our offering now. If our ushers would, would come, we're going to raise some money. You can fill out. In fact, uh, Steve, will you mind bringing me my missions jar? So we do missions jars here at Return Church. We have folks. Where's, in fact, where's Eric? Eric Bartley. Look at this young man. He, he spent the whole day shaking his parents down. <laughs> scratching the couch cushions. And then when it was all said and done, he went, I know this, this may be top secret information I'm divulging here, but he told me he put 38 of his own dollars in there. Cash money. Hey, Amen. I appreciate that. That's awesome, man. Good for you. Isn't that awesome? That's the kind of heart we want to cultivate in our young people, isn't it? Thank you, buddy. Praise God. So if you brought your missions jars, you can bring those. And uh, I tell you what, why don't, we, why don't we just bring the plates? We'll put them all here, the missions jars, because we've got a lot of collecting to do. So if you, if you brought it, let's pray. Father, we thank you for those that are going to sow tonight. Father, we pray that you increase in every way our ability to give, our ability as a church to sow, whether it be into missions, whether it be into local outreaches, whatever it is, Lord God. Expand the vision of Return Church. Expand our capacity in every way. Make us fruitful in every way, Lord God. Let us be a church that can touch Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Father, I believe that's your will and that's your plan for your church. Help us to fulfill it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Return Church, let's give. Go ahead and bring your offerings. Bring your, if you've got a pledge card, you can fill that out. Please drop... Uh, I guess the white copy in the plates and keep the yellow copy. Stick that somewhere where you'll see it often just to remind you to fulfill that pledge. Thank you all for giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, normally with something like this, you got all kinds of preachers in the house tonight. And normally, what I would think is let's get these guys preaching. Master, Pastor Matt Bell massaged my thinking on this last year as I was planning putting this conference together. He said, you need, you need to speak to the conference. Your church needs to hear it. The guest ministers need to hear it. They need to hear your vision. They need to hear your heart for it. So speak. So that's why I'm speaking tonight. I, I'm going to share our vision, our heart as a church. I'm going to share the word of the Lord, but I, I just want to speak to some things. Um, Return Church is an awesome church. I love Return Church. I'm glad that God brought Rachel and I to return. There's some amazing 
people here. Return Church started with a heart for outreach, done incredible things. Uh, we could talk about numerous outreaches, um, efforts to reach out, serve, bless um, th this community, and um, just, just a number of things. We, we were in our, our elders meeting, and Ted Edgel, one of our, our, our board meeting, Ted Edgel, one of our board members, was just, uh, this, this, this was this past Monday, rattling off thing after thing that's currently going on. Brother Ted and Barbara, they lead an outreach in the county jail here. Um, we've got a clothes closet that's open every, every Monday. We've got an outreach over the river um, in, in uh, Louisville, one of the probably roughest neighborhoods in, in the area where we're doing outreach, have a, a meal there on Thursday nights, a message that's presented in worship, and they do that every Thursday night. Um, Steve, I'm probably forgetting, maybe jar my memory here if I'm forgetting stuff, but just all, all kinds of things. Uh, but Bobby and, and Dominique recently starting an outreach to a, a kind of a transitional halfway house here in the community, and they're, they're busing guys in every Sunday morning now. We baptized three of them, actually, this, this, this past Sunday. And it, just, just awesome. Love that. Yet, I want to grow that. I want to grow that locally. I want to grow our efforts to reach this community. And beyond that, I want us as a church to expand vision, to have vision to plant churches one day, to send missionaries. I, I asked Sunday morning, I asked our church to pray this week during this conference and say, hey, God, if you're trying to get my attention and send me somewhere, I want to go. I want to go. So I've asked our people to pray about that. We want to send church planters and missionaries out of this, this place. And we, we want to be a friend to the missionary. Well, our, our guests and a lot of our church people know Pastor Virgil as well. Pastor Virgil is known to be like a friend of missionaries, right? I mean, he just loves missionaries, does everything he can to support missions. I, I want our church to have that kind of a heart. So that's, that's why we're doing what we are doing with this, this conference. Uh, this is something that we, we hope to do every single year because we want to expand vision. We want to expand our hearts. We want to expand our, under, our understanding, our capacity, and our, our capability of, of doing ministry. We want to equip for the Great Commission. So that's what this conference is, is about. As I said, um, we, we want to bless those of you who are guests amongst us, we want to bless you guys, but one thing I know as a pastor is that you guys will bless our church probably way more than we can ever bless you. We hope you go away inspired, encouraged, uh, blessed. We hope to sow financially to missionaries, but you guys will be a greater blessing by far than we could ever be to you. I believe that. That's been my experience. Bring, bringing in guys, gals who are doing this type of work into the local church, it it really inspires it, and equips the local church to be better at doing ministry. I believe that with everything that's in me. Um, I had Steve, Steve oversees our, our finances, Steve Manicky, uh, run some numbers for me this, this past week. And since August of last year, our church has sown towards missions and outreach nearly $60,000. 59000 $59,230.85 since August, but basically a little more than a year. Uh, 9500 of that went to our Portland outreach. We sent just under $5,000 when we had a big hurricane here, uh, Mayfield, Kentucky area. We sent $5,000 for the reef efforts there. 
Uh, when Ida hit, we sent uh, $13,000 plus to Pastor Ben Bufkin there in Houma, Louisiana. $18,697 towards efforts uh, with Eagle Pass, Pastor Don and Amy Crabtree, and uh, the Promise uh, it was a Promise Family Services, is that correct? Promise Family Services, their efforts to get that clinic up and going. Um, just under $400 to our clothes closet and about $11,000 to our general mission fund. And that, that's pretty incredible. That really is incredible. Uh, and and I, I've spoken to our church about this recently. Um, we, we talked about the generosity of the Philippian church. I just wrapped up nearly 30 messages. I think it's 27 or 28 messages that I preached out of Philippians this year. And uh, I told our church they're starting to look like Filipinos. <laughs> Philippians. But I just wrapped the last message of that series a few weeks back, and it was about the generosity of the Philippian church. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He says, I want you to take notice of the generosity of the Philippians. Or, I'm sorry, of the Macedonian churches, which... Philippi was one of those churches. How that in great trial and deep poverty, their joy abounded to the riches of generosity. Now think about that. Poverty and trials, yet their joy abounded to generosity. And I, I want to say to Return Church, that's been our church over the last year. We've been through some trials. We've been through some situations and circumstances that have been very, very difficult. This has been, by, by far, this, this year has been the most difficult of my 25 years in ministry. Yet, $60,000. It's incredible. That's incredible. I want that to inspire us as a church. I want that to encourage us as a church. I want to exceed that in the years to come. We, you guys have heard me talk about these churches that are giving, and Pastor Phillips Thompson's church, Pastor Kurt Juzak's church, these are churches that are giving tens of thousands of dollars every year, hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions. That's what I want for our church. Now, we've got to be wise. We've got to be stewards. We've got mortgages. We've got bills. We, we've been in a bit of, of, a, of a crunch here lately financially. But I want us to be a church that is generous towards the Great Commission. Here in Clarksville, here in southern Indiana, across the United States, and to the nations of the world, I want us to think outwardly. I want us to have a big vision, a big vision. So that's why we're, we're doing what we're doing. So I, I wanted to share those numbers with you. I hope that encourages our church. That's huge. That's huge. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for, for the generous hearts of the people of Return Church. So I want to get into the word of the Lord. I'm not going to take a long time tonight. Pastor Kurt will do that tomorrow night. But I do want to share the word of the Lord, just a little bit of my heart as a pastor, and um, just as a, a member of the body of Christ. Matthew chapter 9, and our, our theme verse is actually is out of John. We'll get to that in a minute. John chapter 4, verse 35. The fields are white. The fields are white. That's our theme. This is southern Indiana. This is farm country. You're in the great Louisville metro area here. But you just go a few miles, and you're in the cornfields, the soybean fields. We were, we were driving to church on Sunday. My wife looked out at the fields, 
and uh, freshly striped. They had just gone through and harvested all the soybeans. There was a big combine sitting there. There was a big trailer they used to haul those beans out of here. And she said, look, look how beautiful that is. The field was, it's already been harvested, but white. We all know that look when, when the fields begin to turn from, from green to white. And it's harvest time. Jesus made the declaration and proclamation. It, the fields are white. They're, they're still white. The harvest is ready. That was his proclamation. That's what the church age has been. It's been a, a season of harvest, right? The fields are white. And I want to talk to you tonight about harvesters for this great harvest. Title tonight's Harvesters Are Wanted. Harvesters are wanted. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, the multitudes, that word just stands out to me, the multitudes, the harvest is white. The multitudes were out there. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And we love to read that and pray for the, har- the, the laborers. We love to read that and pray for the harvesters. But, but I want to say this, that we're, we're some of those harvesters that Jesus is here to, encouraging these disciples to pray for. Pray that the Lord will send laborers, harvesters out into the field. That's us, right? And we should pray that God will continue to raise up laborers, but we have to realize we are those harvesters. That, that's us. That's us. The words that just strike me here, every time that I read this passage, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's a deficit of workers. Laborers are needed. Harvesters are wanted. It's necessary for us to rise up and become harvesters. The church in, in the Western culture very much in many ways has become the celebrity entertainment center. Amen. It's a term that I use to refer to the church often. It's the celebrity entertainment center. We've got lots of entertainers, but not a lot of workers. Got a lot of clowns. No offense, Kitty. <laughs> Kitty's a professional clown. She met Jerry, her husband, who's back there. He's, he, he was the teacher of the clown class. That's where they met and fell in love. Now they've got grand, grandkid clowns. <laughs> We've got a lot of clowns, a lot of entertainers, a lot of performers, but not a lot of laborers. The, the, the church was never meant to be for entertainment. We, we've got an entertainment mentality. We've got a consumer mentality. Like we go to church in America for what we can get out of the church, and it was never intended to be that. It was supposed to be a place where we go to make contribution. It's supposed to be a body where we work together to bring the harvest, to build the kingdom. That's what the church was intended to be. Church never was intended to be a showboat. It was intended to be a rescue vessel. And we, we know about showboats here in Louisville. We got you know, the, the Louisville Bell, these river boats. You can go there, you can be entertained, you can have a great meal, 
And for so many in American culture, that's what the church is. Feed me. Pastors, uh, you, you can bear witness. How many times I'm, I'm going to another church because I'm not getting fed here. And I, I know these men of God. They're, they're great preachers. They're, 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 they're men of the word. I mean, they're, they're serving up hot, fresh bread every Sunday morning, and yet for some reason those people aren't happy with that. It's nothing wrong with the preaching. It's nothing wrong with the bread that's being served. It's an attitude and a disposition in us that says, feed me, feed me, feed me. It's a consumer mentality that God never intended for the church to have. We're not here to, to, be, to be feeders, to be eaters. We are, we are here to be contributors. We're not here to be consumers. We are here to make contribution for the sake of the kingdom of God. God wants to raise us up out of that mentality. He wants to shake and break that off of us, change us from an audience that needs to be entertained into an army that's ready to march. A.W. Tozer said, a church that can't worship must be entertained. And men who can't lead a church to worship must provide entertainment. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not Bozo the Clown. I'm not a performer. I, I'm not an actor. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am here to compel you to put your boots on and get ready to march. Amen? Amen. To get ready to go out. I mean, come on, put, put your farm clothes on. Put, put your, your, your boots and your flannels and your, your hats out. Let's go into the fields and let's bring in the harvest. That's really ultimately my job. My job is not to do ministry. My job is to equip the saints of God to do the work of ministry. Amen? It's not on the preachers. It's not on the, those that stand on a platform or who have positions in a church to do the ministry. It is the work of God's body to do ministry. If you're a saint of God, you are called to do ministry and to go out into this world to these sheep, these multitudes that are scattered, that are without a shepherd, who are weary and to minister. A big part of this passage, it's not even so much about evangelism as this shepherding. You've got co-workers that need shepherd. You know, you, you can go out there to those broken people that you work with day in and day out into the homes that you go into, the marketplace and the schools and wherever it is that you go day in and day out, and you can be a shepherd to them if you're rooted in Christ, right? If you're feeding on the things of the Lord, if you're, if you're full of the Spirit of God, if you're staying prayed up, if you're staying built up, you can go into any environment and you can shepherd, Right? You don't even have to be preachy about it. You don't even have to be like super spiritual about it. You can, you can be sly about it. You can sneak in with it. Like, before you know it, they're broken and they're crying on your shoulder and you're telling them about Jesus and how he can change their life. Amen. Right? That's, that's what God intended. People always come to the pastor, this, this person needs to be led to the Lord. Why, why don't you do it? <laughs> pastor, this, 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 this family needs visitation. Why don't you do it? Right? And I'm all for that. I visit people, I, I pray for people, I can lead people, to, I, I do all of that, but it's not all on the senior pastor to do it. It's on us as a body to do it. I desire to see a church that is raised up to maturity and capable of doing anything that is demanded. You need prayer for healing? I can do that. You need prayer for salvation? I can do that. You need prayer for deliverance? I can do that. That's what the church members should look like. Right? Instant in any season. Ready in any season. Amen? 
Ravenhill says this. He says, the more, the more joy you have in the Lord, the less entertainment that you need. I love, I love this one. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said, he said a time's going to come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining the goats. That day has arrived. So let's move on. I've made my point. We've got to, we need a shift in mentality. We need a shift in the way that we think about our role in the body of Christ. I'm not showing up at church anymore just to see what I can get out of it. Well, that worship just didn't move me anymore. Well, the preacher bored me to tears. I can go and listen to any preacher and get nourishment. I don't care how monotone they are. I don't care if they shout, if they're quiet. I don't care if they're funny or they're serious. I can go into any preacher, uh, any, any church where a preacher's preaching, and I can get the nourishment of the word of the Lord. We've got to look at it with different eyes. That, that's our entertain me, feed me mentality that makes those types of statements. I'm bored with this. It's just not doing it for me anymore. When's the last time you served? When's the last time you picked up a broom? When's the last time you went on an outreach? When's the last time you volunteered for something? When's the last time you made a contribution? All right, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know I've got all, right? Pastors know what I'm talking about. The same 18 people that do everything in the church are the ones that show up on conference tonight, right? So maybe if I'm doing anything, I'm imploring you guys to help me. Let's raise those that aren't here tonight up. The laborers. The laborers. Let's talk about it. I, I, I used this past, I think it was this past Sunday. Yeah, it was. This past Sunday. I forget what I preach. Anybody forget what you preach? Acts 11. I wanna, I wanna, this, this passage shows us a great picture of what laborers should look like. And it's in verse 20. Acts 11 to verse 20. Some of them. I love that. I looked that word up in the Greek. You know what it means? Some of them. It's the pronoun tis, and it's very vague. It is not specific at all. It doesn't say the superheroes went. It doesn't name the super apostles. It just says some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus and the hand of the Lord was with them. I love that. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them. That Barnabas was an encourager. He, he encouraged this way. He's encouraging them here, but he was also encouraged by financial gifts. And his name actually wasn't Barnabas. His, his name was Joseph or Joseph the, the Levite. That was his real name. Barnabas means son of encouragement. He was such an encourager that they changed his name to Barnabas. How, how many of you know we need more of those in the church? Yeah. Right? More encouragement, please. Let's encourage more, each other more often. Right? I, that solo you sang was awesome. Sound man, you're doing a great job. Media team, fantastic. Preacher, you're preaching good. Come on, we need to encourage each other. We need more encouragement. More encouragement, please, in the body of Christ. You're doing a great job with that outreach. You're doing a great job with that small group. More encouragement, please. 
We're all missing the mark somewhere. We all know we have faults. We're all imperfect. We all have clay feet. We're well aware of that. We're all aware of the fact that when we take our shoes off, our feet stink. We don't need your help pointing it out. Can we encourage each other? Can we build each other up? Can we lift up? More encouragement, please. Give us more Barnabases that will be encouragers. Amen? And when, when he came, verse 23 says, and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with the purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Listen, if you're full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, you're going to be an encourager. And a great many people were added to the Lord. A great many people were added to the Lord. A bunch of folks. This all started with some folks, and it ends up with a bunch of folks. Some nondescript group, and it ends up with a bunch of people. Let, let, let me, I want to paint before, and this isn't really in my notes, but I want to paint this. I talked about this on Sunday morning. It's just too good not to talk about it. This is Acts chapter, Acts chapter 11. It's the, the founding of the church at Antioch. Acts chapter 11 doesn't happen without Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is the persecution of the church at Jerusalem. Paul standing by, Saul standing by, persecuting the saints of Jesus in Jerusalem. Acts 11 is the product of that. They're being scattered. The Jerusalem church is being scattered to the nations. Persecution does the work of God, right? The kingdom of God is advanced by persecution. I talked to my, my church about how when you stamp on the fire to put it out, it actually does the, the opposite of what you want. It, it creates a, when you do that motion, it creates a backdraft that actually fuels the fire. And when the Satan, Satan tries to persecute the church and stomp the church out, the fire spreads. And that's what happens here. The church is scattered from Jerusalem to, to different places, and some of them land in Antioch, and, and Barnabas stops there, and there's this founding of this church, and this church met in a cave. Did you know that? This church met in a cave in an Acropolis, in a, in a graveyard city. That's where the church met. They met in the worst places under the worst conditions, and they became a sending church. Acts 8 scatters these people to Acts 11, landing at Antioch, and that church, Antioch, in Acts 13, becomes a sending church. They would send Barnabas, and they would send Saul. Saul caused the church of Antioch to be formed by his persecution, and Barnabas would invite this man Saul, who would later become known as the Apostle Paul, to Antioch, and the church at Antioch would lay their hands, pray, and the Holy Spirit would direct them to lay their hands on Paul and Barnabas and send them to the nations. Saul, through persecution, started the church that would send him as a missionary. Think about that. What a beautiful picture of how God works. How many of you know that God's ways are beyond us? Amen? Amen. And God will pick up ordinary people and do extraordinary things. Some of them, some nondescript people started the, the church at Antioch, which would become one of the great sending, I think a model for any, any local church. The church of Antioch is a beautiful picture of what the church should be, ascending power. Not a seating power, but ascending power. Amen? They sent 
Paul and Barnabas to the nations. And it started with ordinary people. Here's what I've come to understand about the ways of God. He uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You are not special. Don't want to offend you, but you're not. I'm not special. I'm extraordinarily ordinary. And yet God chooses to use us. Those who fulfill the call of God are not caught up in the trap of of doing significant things. I've come to understand this. They're simply busy doing the seemingly insignificant things on a daily basis. They're ordinary people doing ordinary things over and over and over again because God has called them to do ordinary things over and over and over again. It's called faithfulness. And through that process, they end up doing great things. David Wilkerson said, when God calls you to do something, he's not calling you to succeed. He's calling you to obey. The success of the calling is up to him. The obedience is up to you. That's a reality. Reflects to me the words of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Just do simple things. Every single one of us can make a difference in this world. Every single one of us can see the purposes of God fulfilled, be a a, a contributor to seeing the purposes of of, of God fulfilled on planet Earth if we will just simply do the little things that God's asking us to do. A young man putting his $38 into a mission jar, a mason jar, is simple, but when you think about it, it's extraordinary. Every little penny in these jars, every cent, every dollar bill, every check, all of it matters. And if we will just faithfully do that, if, if 20 of us would faithfully give $5 a month, we could send $100 to a missionary every month. That's how this thing works. The, these men and women that are here, they, they see it week in and week out. That's why they're here. They will share these testimonies of God's provision, God's faithfulness, and of just simply being faithful to do what God calls and what comes out of that. They've seen that. That's why we have brought them here, because I want them to impart those things into this church so that we can begin to grow, not not into striving to be something extraordinary, but just to be ordinary and obedient in doing what God has called us as a church to do. Famous guy named Sean Alexander he drives an awesome charger. Amen. He said this. He said, common men think on many things, but uncommon men think on one thing all day long. It is. And I, I've come to understand that really ultimately is the identity of world changers. Men who get in and really, men and women who really get in, dig in, and make a great difference in this earth for the sake of the kingdom are just people who think about Jesus, think about his kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God day after day, and they just do the ordinary, simple, little, mundane, routine things, getting down in the prayer room on their knees and praying, reading their word, going to visit the, 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 the sick and the needy, going and, and ministering to someone here, going over to Portland on Thursday night, going to the closed closet on Monday, just the simple little ordinary mundane things and out of that the extraordinary kingdom of God comes forward that's the reality of it talked a couple weeks back about a a, a gentleman named Albert Lexon 
How many of you think that a man making about 18 or $20,000 annually could give $200,000? That's exactly what Alex Lexon did. He shined shoes at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh for 32 years. He made about eighteen dollars to $20,000 annually. And he was able to give more than $200,000 to the hospital. He just made a determination to do something little, to give 30% of all of his income back to the hospital. In his 32-year career, week after week after week, he ended up giving $200,000. Somebody that was just faithful and doing something. Something ordinary, but actually it's something that's extraordinary. So let's, let's talk about the harvest. Jesus says in, in John chapter 4, and I'm going to try to wind up here real quick. He says, do you not say that there are four months and then comes the harvest? I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. He who reaps wa- re- receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true, one sows... And another reaps. Those seem like little things. Sowing a seed, sowing a seed, sowing a seed. How many times do you have to do that before the field's planted? And then going out and reaping. That's work. That's work. We live down in about an hour and a half from here, down in Kentucky, in the tobacco. Uh, farmlands, that, that's a, a labor-heavy crop. And they were out there day after day cutting the product, putting the product up in the barn to dry, then separating the product, bailing the product, shipping the product. Mundane and routine, but at the end of the day, there's the big paycheck, right? It's in the sowing and the reaping, the daily labor. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. In that, we're going to unlock this as we wrap up. In that, there is a huge, huge key. Right? We, we, we sow. We might reap. But it, it, Jesus is saying here, you're, you're going to reap in places where you haven't even labored. Yeah. We're going to unwrap that here in, in just a second. I want to say this, that we we can't be after recycled sheep anymore. We've got to go after the harvest of souls. There are people in this community who have not heard. Right here on this street, right here in Clarksville, right here in southern India, there are people who have not yet heard. Right? It's not about church transfer. It's got to be about growth. The, the statistics are staggering. When you look at, at conversion in, in the United States of America, statistics are staggering. They're alarming. The, these statistics show us that one convert, that there's, there's one convert per 86 church members every year in America. That is not reproduction. That's not multiplication. I preached to you guys on Sunday how God, God has commanded us 12, I think 13 times alone in the book of Genesis. Dozens and dozens and dozens of times throughout the Old Testament. I showed you examples in the New Testament where the Lord commands us, go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. 
go and disciple the nations. Right? That, that's the command. Go out and be fruitful. That's what the Lord is asking us to do. As his children, he's asking us to go in and bring out, bring out the harvest, to multi, be multipliers. Right? Farmers don't put, they don't put 86 kernels into the ground hoping to get one back. That's not a return. That's a loss. That statistic should scare us to death. It shows every one of us that we are not fruit. Every one of us in the room. No one gets off on this. I, get, I, I can't get off on it. I'm guilty. I'm not as fruitful as I should be. We've got to change that. We've got to change. What, what, what's the reason for this? I believe Proverbs 5, he who gathers in the summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in the harvest is a son who causes shame. I told our church, there's no shame in, I told them this Sunday, there's, there's no shame in being a small church, but there is shame in having a small vision. Having no vision for the harvest, there's shame in that. We want our church to grow, not for the sake of numbers, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the call of God, for the sake of, of Jesus. We want the church to grow. We want to be fruitful because the Lord wants us to be fruitful. I, I, I gave out this. I forgot who had said it, but it's, it's uh, Curry R. Blake who said it. He says, if your gospel isn't touching others, then it hasn't touched you. I, I agree with that. If we're not soul winners, how much has the gospel really changed us? If we're not fruitful, how much of an effect has this thing really had on us? Because we see all throughout Scripture, I think of the woman at the well. The woman at the well, her life was transformed by an encounter with Jesus. And she went and told her whole village, her whole village came to know Jesus. Right? She went preaching to her village, Jesus proclaiming, look, this man's the prophet. Why? Because her life had been transformed. God wants to, us to engage in the harvest. And this, this is my last thought, and I'm, I'm done. Closing number one. <laughs> I want to go back and lift, in fact, go back to the 38th verse of our text, Matthew 9, 38. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The last thought I want to wrap up with this is this. He is the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. You can't save anybody, I can't save anybody. You can't multiply, I can't multiply. Our responsibility is to sow and to bring in the harvest, to sow and to reap, sow and to reap, sow and to reap, but ultimately, he controls the harvest. He's the one who controls the harvest. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, who, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you have believed. As the Lord gave to each one I have planted, Apollos watered, but God, God gives the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor the, the one who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants, he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. If we, we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field and you are God's building. He's the Lord of the harvest. At the end of the day, this is not about you or me. You are not all that in a bag of potato chips. 
I am not all that in a bag of potato chips. I'm a laborer. We, we, we ministers need to begin to think about ourselves like the Apostle Paul. I was during worship, this, this verse came to me. We need to think of ourselves like the Apostle Paul. This is the way the Apostle Paul describes his great apostleship. He says, I thank God that, God, that, that he has dis- d- displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. We labor working with our hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Offscouring, that, that, that is like the terminology for this, what you scrub off the toilet. That's, lit, that's the word. I'm not trying to be vile or disgust, that's the word. What you scrape off your toilets. Paul says, I'm nothing. I, we, we apostles are nothing but the, the offscouring. I don't write these things to shame you, but to my beloved children, I warn you. Though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Stop pretending you're fancy. Stop pretending you're something. It doesn't matter what your card says next to your name. It doesn't matter what title you have. You're just somebody. I love this passage in, in, in uh, the message in Romans. It's chapter 9, verse, I think it's 25 and 6, if I'm not mistaken. But he says, I'll, I'll call nobodies. Make them somebodies. I'll call the unloved and make them beloved. I'm not trying to put us down or make us to feel like we're worthless or anything like that. Saying we need to back up. Who are we? Where do we get off thinking we're something? We serve the king. This ministry thing is not about us. We're not here to preach ourselves, how awesome we are, how amazing, what wonderful Christians we are. We are here to preach Jesus. Without that, there's no hope for anybody. If we're preaching ourselves, we leave people without any hope. I can't save anybody. I can't heal anybody. I can't deliver anybody. I, I, can't, I can't pay anybody's bills probably at this point in my life. Who in the world am I? I'm a nobody that God has called. I thank God that I have been called into this ministry, that I've been counted worthy, that somehow God by his grace has included me. Has, it, it's mind-blowing that God, the Lord of the harvest, has allowed me like Isaiah, some man who is undone and unclean. I was a drunk. I was a bump on a bar stool, and God called me and saved me out of that filthy vial and put me into his ministry. I am nothing. Not unto us. Not unto us be the glory, but unto your name be the glory, Lord Jesus. He is the Lord 
of the harvest. And I, I want to leave you with this encouragement. God is working. God is working. God is moving. I don't care how gloomy it looks on your social media feed. I don't care how negative the reports on your radio station are. I don't care what you're hearing about what's coming out of public schools and all the doom and gloom of politics and economics and all the negative things and all the negative reports. God is moving. His kingdom is advancing. The increase to the increase of his government. There shall be no end. He is bringing in a harvest. Statistic, if you, if you do the research, the last 100 years over planet Earth have been the most fruitful years in human history. The statistics bear that out. The kingdom of God is advancing. Amen? Amen. I believe what, what Paul says, he, and this is 2 Corinthians 9, 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food shall supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. I believe that. That's the, the promise from the Lord of the harvests. That's the great promise. Amen. He's working. He's moving. He's supplying. He's with us. Amen. That's the great promise. Lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. He sent us out, but he's with us. I've talked to multiple people here in our church that just this week, they said, Pastor, I don't feel capable of doing what God's called me to do. I can't lead this group. I can't lead this ministry. They're telling me this. And I said, welcome to my world. That's the way I feel every day. Drama in kids' ministry, drama on worship team, drama in this department, this person. I mean, it's like, what's that, whack-a-mole? And I am insufficient. I cannot meet the needs of this church. That's the truth. I'm not smart enough, talented enough, good enough, anything enough. I am absolutely and utterly incomplete and insufficient for this task that God has called me to do. But he's with me. I want to quit more than you can even imagine, more often than you can ever imagine. But his grace is sufficient. Buck up, Billy Bob. You got it. You can lead that group. You can lead that team. You can lead that ministry. I can lead this church, not in myself, but through the Christ that's in me, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the God who is the Lord of the harvest. This thing is not too big for any of us. That mission that God's called you to, to go on, that church that God's called you to lead, that ministry that God is calling you to take, you, by God's grace, can do what God has called you to do. Amen? He's the Lord of the harvest. Two verses, and I'm done. I'm landing the airplane. Just a reminder, God is working. Philippians 2.13 is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. He's working it out. The church may feel like it's falling apart. It's working together. I don't remember who said it, but it said not, not, it didn't, this verse doesn't say everything is good. Everything works together for the good. When that thing fell apart, it's somehow working together for the good. When that thing didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, it's somehow working together. For, when that one quit, somehow it's, when you came up short, somehow it's working together for the good. I mean, I don't think those, those, those Christians that were leaving 
Jerusalem in Acts chapter 8 thought this was working out for their good. Paul killing your fellow church member is not good. But somehow God worked it. You, you don't have Acts 11 and Acts 13 without Acts 8. Somehow God is working this thing out for good. So let's just get involved. And, and here, here's what I want to I beg us to do. Let's figure out what God is doing and get involved in it. Let's get rid of all of the human-initiated efforts, all of our strategies, all of our designs, all of our ideas. Listen, systems will not save your church. Budgets will not save your missions program. You know what's going to do it? Doing what he's told us to do. Let's love one another. Let's have deep relationship together. Let's have fellowship, right? Isn't that what we're designed to do in the church? We're designed for fellowship. Let's do some evangelism. Let's do some discipleship. Let's have a prayer meeting, right? We had a budget meeting Monday. We really solved nothing. The, the end of all of our, I mean, Steve did a great job. Presentation, paperwork, profit and loss, monthly reports, all, beautiful work, right? At the end of the day, we said, we can't do this. Only God can. Let's pray. Amen. Let's pray. Your budgets aren't going to do it. Your systems aren't going to do it. Your computers aren't going to do it. The PowerPoint projector's not going to do it. Your sound system's not going to do it. Your building's not going to do it. You know what's going to do it? A vessel submitted to the hand of God. Human beings that are saying, I'm working with the Lord of the harvest, and I'm going to be faithful in this field. God put me in this little bean patch, and I'm going to be faithful to this little bean patch. I'm going to do what God's called me. I want to quit this church. I want to quit this mission thing. This thing is hard. This thing cost my family. This thing's ruined my bank account. This thing's that and that and the other. All the struggles. This is hard. People are, we had a, we have people that defecate on our porch on a weekly basis. I hate it. You know what I'm going to do? Keep loving and keep building. I mean, who, who wants to come to church with a on the porch. I mean, who wants that stuff? Who wants to deal with that stuff in life? Right? But God's called us to it. I'm going to stay here and be faithful to do what God has called me to do. And if we'll all do that, we'll see a harvest. I've started to, to tell and prepare our team. We are cutting back on our ministries January through March next year. We're pulling in our men's ministry, women's, every ministry we can pull in, we're pulling it in. And we're going to get together, we're going to build relationship, we're going to pray, and we're going to get ready for the harvest. Man. That's what we're going to do. There's a harvest coming. Yes. This church is going to explode. Amen. I know it. Charles Neiman, some of y'all heard him in Seguin. Got to spend some hours with him. And we were talking about his church. I asked him about secrets to success. He pastors a church. They, they were, I don't know if they still are, but I know pre-COVID, there were like 25,000 members. What's the secret to success? We're talking all this kind of stuff. He said, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> People ask me that all the time. I just did what God told me to do. We didn't do it. We did the same thing for three years, and all of a sudden, God did it. 
We went from 300 to 1,200 to 5,000 to 15,000 to 25,000. Boom, 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 boom. God did it. We didn't do anything different. We just did what the Word told us to do, and we just kept doing it. Kept doing it. He told me this. I think I believe this way. I think you should believe this way. He said, I don't mean this to sound arrogant. I knew my church was going to grow. I knew I was going to pastor a big church. He said, I knew that, not because of me, but because of my God. Every one of us need to adopt that mentality. God wants you to be fruitful. God wants you to reproduce. Amen? And I think at the end of the day, I, I can't give you, I don't know, we're not there yet, so I'm not a master and I can't tell you. Let me tell you what I think I see in the Word. If you want to be fruitful, you got to be intimate. Right? I mean, Chad and Rachel are intimate, and we're fruitful. Jerry and Rachel are intimate. They're fruitful. Right? Intimacy produces fruitfulness. Spend time with the Lord. There's some strategy. Spend time with the Lord of the harvest, and you'll be fruitful. I believe that with everything that's on the inside of me. Can we stand together? I want to invite everybody to come down here. Everybody. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for being here tonight. We're a bunch of nobodies, and God's called us to be somebodies. And we're going to do some extraordinary things for Jesus. I don't care if you're a missionary, a pastor, a first-time visitor. When we, were, when we were at youth camp, they used to tell us, God's going to call somebody here tonight. Some of y'all, they'd say it this way, some of y'all have a calling on your life. I'm looking forward, I'm going to be in Wapaka this summer, and I'm going to get to speak to all those young people. I'm going to tell you one thing I'm not going to tell them, that some of you have a call on your life. You know what I'm going to tell them? Every single one of you have a call on your life, and God has ordained things for you to do in his kingdom. A bunch of ordinary folks gathered in the altar tonight, listening to an ordinary old guy, and we're going to do some extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every one of my brothers and sisters. I thank you for every saint of God, every child of God, every minister. And everyone in this altar is a minister with a calling upon their life. And you're going to use them to do extraordinary things. Father, help us, as my pastor said, to fall in love with the ministry of the nets. Let's just tend to the nets. Let's just take care of all these daily things. Let's fall in love with counting the offerings and keeping the books. Let's fall in love with outreach and cleaning and serving. Lord, I pray that you would create in all of us just a lasting endurance, a steadfast faithfulness. Let every missionary by the power of your spirit, by the grace of your presence, be faithful to what you've called them to do. Let every pastor 
be faithful to shepherd. Let every evangelist be faithful to sow. Every servant. Lord, just help us to be faithful in what you've called us to do. Father, I thank you. I, I know that this gospel works because we're standing here today. Well, we thank you for our fathers, our grandparents, our pastors, the little, little church lady that was faithful to give, for our faithful little Sunday school teacher, our faithful youth pastor, that person that walked in and shared the gospel with us. Lord, we thank you for faithful men and women of God. Lord, we can pray for a lot of things. I just pray, Lord, give us a steadfast endurance. Give us a love for the ordinary things. Father, empower us by your grace and by your spirit. Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song.